Was this year's cup half full or half empty? That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. COP28, the largest UN climate summit ever to address the problems of global warming, concluded last week and made progress, but for some, it was too little, too late. More than 150 countries did sign the Global Methane Pledge to cut emissions by 30% in seven years. In that same time frame, more than half agreed to triple renewable energy capacity, but there were few details, especially considering the industry is already growing fast and showing signs of strain. An agreement was reached on new commitments for a loss and damage fund to compensate poorer countries that are experiencing extreme heat and sea level rise. However, there was little action on cutting methane from food production, even while farmland, livestock, and landfills account for one-third of global warming emissions. There were demands for an agreement to phase out fossil fuels, but in the end, the final document called only for transitioning away from oil, gas, and coal, and there were no timetables, limits on investments, or output goals specified. The final agreement said the 1.5 degrees Celsius limit to avoid the worst effects of global warming was still the goal. However, the target is likely unachievable given this year's mean temperature was 1.46 degrees Celsius higher than the pre-industrial average. The outcome of COP28 was called historic by some, but others say it was a tragedy, weak and ineffectual. One expert said it was the fossil fuel industry's dream outcome because it looks like progress, but isn't. For the first time in about 75 years, a family of seven beavers was recently released in the Sierra Nevada mountains by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. The rodents are a keystone species that mitigate the effects of wildfire damage and drought and they build up resilience to climate change. Beavers can increase groundwater recharge and water flows. However, a preliminary study from the University of Colorado Boulder suggests that beavers in the western U.S. could exacerbate the spread of mercury toxins in rivers and habitats. The mercury in ponds comes from human activities like coal burning and mining, which emit it into the air. It then falls into lakes and streams through rain and snow. According to the research, some beaver ponds lack oxygen and can be a hot spot for bacteria that generate neurotoxins containing mercury, which end up in the food chain. Mercury poisoning can cause nervous system damage in humans. Our skin handles lots of scrapes, cuts, and scratches in our lifetimes, but unfortunately, its ability to heal diminishes with age. In recent decades, hydrogels have gained traction as a way to repair wounds of aging skin by keeping them protected, well hydrated, and oxygenated. However, the adhesives they require tend to pull on skin and potentially worsen the injury they were intended to help. Enter seaweed, which is a catch-all name for a variety of plants and algae that live in oceans. 
Researchers in Tokyo have used seaweed that collects on beaches to make a hydrogel that won't tug at wounds. They extracted alginate, a compound found in the cell walls of brown algae, and combined it with calcium carbonate and carbonated water to make a gel that not only had the ideal pH and moisture levels for wound recovery, but also didn't stick too strongly to skin and cause pain. Although some people bemoan the so-called rack line on beaches where seaweed is deposited at high tide and leaves behind a smelly, tangled mess, the marine plant is having a moment. In addition to supporting wildlife, it's becoming a sought-after ingredient for food and pharmaceuticals to cosmetics and biofuels. Now it can add to its accolades. Seaweed can be a renewable, inexpensive, biodegradable, and healing part of sustainable medicine. And finally, we can all agree that nature has intrinsic value and is priceless, but the world's ecosystems that sustain us have been depleted, polluted, or suffered a loss of biodiversity. But what if you could invest in nature and make money by protecting it? That's the idea behind natural asset companies, or NACs, where people put their financial capital in businesses working to safeguard our natural capital, air, water, and living organisms. The idea was hatched two years ago by the asset management company Intrinsic Exchange Group and could soon become a reality. They've partnered with the New York Stock Exchange to facilitate NACs and submitted a proposal to the Securities and Exchange Commission. NAC investments will generate revenue from sources like crops, fisheries, ecotourism, or carbon credits. They will also be used to increase an ecosystem's value by adopting regenerative farming practices to build healthy soils, restoring wetlands to counter sea level rise, or protecting pollinators to safeguard food production. Critics say the concept is dangerous greenwashing and could privatize assets we all have rights to share. They also warn that foreign entities could use NACs as a way to control public lands in the U.S. It's too soon to give NACs as a stocking stuffer this year, but if the SEC approves the proposal, you might, for example, be able to protect water resources while saving for a rainy day. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.